Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This show is dedicated to everybody that is choosing to watch full college football game reruns instead of whatever else is going on in the news or in sports like this is our game and we do it all year round whether you're watching full games whether you're watching the hard count we're so glad to have you here welcome into the hard count as i just mentioned a moment ago june is for recruiting we're going to talk about recruiting there's some teams that have made some moves over the past 24 hours nebraska recruiting like a full-on program right now. We're going to break that down as well as some other teams that we're going to talk about. Like I was saying, welcome into the Hard Count. This is the People Show. For everything that you and I both know and love about this beautiful game, it happens here every single day. We are live in living color as we always are every Tuesday and Thursday. If you're new, we're glad to have you here. This is a safe place where we only talk about college football year-round. Spring, summer, winter, fall, don't matter. We're talking ball. We're glad to have you here. Come up for the next hour or so. We're going to have a real good time. Like I said, talking recruiting. Also, we took to the Twitter sphere and asked y'all, what are some of the greatest unknowns in college football heading into 2023? So we're going to read off some of your answers and break that down in its entirety here in just a few short moments. Also, not sure if you heard, but the Manning Passing Academy happened where some of the top quarterbacks across the college football landscape came to Louisiana, spun the pill a little bit. We got a great article on On3.com breaking down some of the top performers. Shay Dixon of the Bengal Tiger was boots on the ground at that event. So we're going to break down some of those top performances and also break down the potential impact the early intel could have on those guys as they get ready for the 2023 campaign schedule prediction season it keeps on rolling on no pun intended going to talk about the alabama crimson tide as they are in a lot of people's minds sort of falling off and now i say a lot of people's minds uh, we don't feel that way, and you'll see when we predict their schedule. But we're going to talk about Nick Saban and company. I promise you we'll give you our thoughts on that one. We're going to wrap this show with a little segment talking about your rival. And rivals are kind of funny to unpack. It's, it's kind of an awkward topic to address. But I was thinking the other night, there is just some weird things that your rival likes to hate on. Right. And I'll, I'll just I'll leave you. I'll leave it at that. We'll talk about it at the end of the show. But after that, obviously, we want to get your questions, thoughts, concerns. We're so glad to have you here. Can't waste too much more time, whether you're on podcast, whether you're watching live on YouTube. We're glad to have you here. Like the video if you're watching live and we'll keep this thing rolling as we are currently at seven shows in a row of 100 likes before we get off air. You could like that video for us would be a tremendous help. All right. So let's keep on rolling here now. The great unknowns in college football. What are they? Well, we took to the Twitter sphere at JD Pacal was where I posted this question for y'all. And we got some phenomenal answers from a lot of y'all. And so I just want to go through these and kind of break down what y'all are perceiving to be the big unknowns when it comes to the 2023 season. So the first unknown is from our good friend at Schaff. And he says his great unknown is Joe Milton's accuracy and touch when it comes to throwing the football. And this is right on the money here because we all know Joe Milton can throw the football over that there mountains. Like he's got Uncle Rico kind of arm strength. We don't question if he can sling the rock. The question is, 
Is he able to place the football consistently, like we saw him do in the Orange Bowl? And is he able to put enough touch on the ball? We know we can throw the laser. Can he throw that two ball where it's not necessarily, you know, a balloon over the top and it's not necessarily a bullet? Is it kind of that middle area? Is he able to make that throw? Now, I personally believe he is. And if he's able to do that, if that unknown turns out in Tennessee's favor, the good news for Tennessee fans is that puts the opposing defense on their heels tremendously because you're not able to just sit in zone and bank on an inaccurate pass. Does that make sense? If Joe Milton's able to be a consistent passer, this offense will be able to maximize the ability they have around Joe Milton because a lot of Josh Heupel's scheme is setting the defense up. And you set them up with the run, and you spread them out, and you set them up, you set them up, you set them up, and then eventually somebody wins on the outside. Or that safety rolls down too close to the box to try and help and run support because he's tired of having to make a tackle at four yards. And then you have a deep pass downfield open. So for Joe Milton, if he's able to consistently be accurate, consistently put touch on the football, you're going to be able to make good on some of those home run opportunities. right? But that's definitely a very big question because for Tennessee, they lost Hennon Hooker, they lost Jalen Hyatt, both gone to the league. And I truly believe that Joe Milton's going to be a force this coming season. And if he's able to be a force and Tennessee picks up where they left off a season ago offensively, they're going to be another double-digit win football team. So keep an eye on that. That's a very fair unknown to have when it comes to 2023. Make sure you're subscribed right here. We talk ball every day. Make sure you're following on the socials at JD Pacquiao, Twitter, Instagram. Great way for us to have some interaction even when we're off the air. So thank you in advance for that. All right. The Spurs Up show hit us up and said, which Spencer Rattler does South Carolina get this season? That's their unknown. And that's a very fair unknown as well because you look at Spencer Rattler last year and we tend to remember things in snapshots. And the snapshot a lot of y'all have in your mind and I have as well is Spencer Rattler having a post-game interview after they just beat a top 10 team and the place is going crazy and then they beat Tennessee and they beat Clemson and like it was a storybook ending to the regular season for South, for South Carolina for Spencer Rattler. November Spencer Rattler up to the bowl game through 13 touchdowns, three interceptions. That was how we finished from November through the bowl game against Notre Dame. Pretty good stats, right? Well, before that, the rest of the year leading up to that run in November, five touchdowns, nine interceptions. So very, very uh, different sample sizes from Spencer Rattler. And so the excitement around South Carolina for a lot of people buying that stock is, well, Spencer Rattler is, is kind of, found his his groove again he's kind of got a swagger back if you know what i'm saying but if that's not the case i have some concerns about south carolina because i don't see a ton of other counter moves for them offensively i mean last year i know they were dinged up in that running back room but they ran for 114 yards a game good for 102nd in the country translation if spencer rattler isn't that dude on that saturday the run game historically, based on last year, hasn't been there for you. And so you're stagnant offensively and you end up having a game like you had against Florida before you went on this run where the offense just looked abysmal. So Spencer Rattler is a very key variable, especially because of what it feels like they haven't had around him. So now if the run game is able to pick it up, this whole thing's kind of a moot point. But Spencer Rattler being able to deal and pick up where he left off a season ago and being the good version of Spencer Rattler, that would be a reason for a lot of excitement in Columbia. And that would be a reason to buy a lot of stock in, in South Carolina and uh, take the over on their six and a half win total. All right. So very, very fair unknown. And I believe it's going to be a big factor 
in the ripple effect with the race in the SEC based on who South Carolina plays. Now, this is probably one of the best like user handles that we've gotten submitting a question to us. Uh, the the name is Quinn Truther, but the, the Twitter handle is at Quinn Ewers Comb. Just let that sink in for a second. That's phenomenal. He asks, or his question, his is unknown for the college football season, is can the Quinn Reaper put it together? It's a fair question because when you look at this Texas offense, what Texas could be, is scary for the rest of college football. Like all the weapons they have, Xavier Worthy, A.D. Mitchell, Isaiah Nayor, who we haven't even really seen hit the field just yet because he was injured last year, but a lot of juice around him and what he could be. Jutavian Sanders, like there's a lot there on the Texas offense to make good on in the pass game. And if Quinn Ewers can be a consistent version of what we saw against Alabama before he got hurt, a consistent version of what we saw against Oklahoma, then you unlock the rest of that potential on the roster. You unlock the rest of that potential on the offense. The way I look at this Texas offense, it's like a Ferrari. You just got to be able to put gas in it with Quinn Ewers. You just got to be able to turn it on. Because if Quinn Ewers is inconsistent, and I know he was, it looked like at least dinged up at times last year when it came to the Oklahoma State game. There's people that said he had a hand injury. Don't know how much is true or isn't true there. But the bottom line is he threw 30 incompletions because Oklahoma State on the road. The offense really had issues getting going when he wasn't completing passes. Just kind of the nature of the beast. Now, the RPO scheme, you still want to run the football, and that's going to be a, a big piece of what they do offensively. But it's a complementary system. You run to pass, and then when you're throwing the football well, it also sets up the run game. Like, this isn't rocket science. If Quinn Ewers ends up being consistent and puts it together, like our good friend Quinn Schruther is asking here, then they're going to be in good shape. And that puts pressure on the opposing offense to, to force. And then the defense has more opportunities. Like, you see what I'm saying here. All of it starts with putting gas in this Ferrari with Quinn Ewers being consistent and putting it together. So that's a great unknown there as well. Now, Jesse has a, has a question when it comes to Nebraska. And he says, how much does Nebraska change for the better with the new staff. And there's two facets to this that I want to unpack. The first facet is you're going to see an improvement, in my humble opinion, from the win-loss total for Nebraska in 2023. And that's just because they're going to do things differently. I think they've upgraded personnel through the transfer portal. I like what I've seen so far and heard so far about Jeff Sims playing quarterback for them now. They're going to be better, marginally. And so that's encouraging for Nebraska fans. Like, you have been eagerly waiting to get back to a bowl game, and I think Matt Rule's the guy to do it for you. And I think the rebuild is a much different jumping-off point than he had at Temple and Baylor at Nebraska. The roster is a much better spot than where those spots were at. So that's the first part. You'll see improvement. It'll be marginal, but I think you'll see improvement. But that's not what you hired Matt Rule for. The real improvement for Matt Rule and for Nebraska is probably going to happen internally, and when I say internally, it's going to be the way they do things and that culture really solidifying itself in Lincoln, Nebraska. And it's, it's kind of boring to say, because again, you're not going to see the total return on investment just yet at Nebraska, but it's kind of like when you decide to start eating healthy and exercising, that change that actually happened, you start to really see that change in your body like after maybe a few months or maybe after a year but the change happened when you made the decision to start eating healthy and exercising that change happened internally that was the first change that was the real change 
And then everything else that came from it with what you did exercising, with what you did eating healthy, that was just a byproduct. And so for Nebraska, the change that's really happening is in that building. The change that's really happening is how they did winter conditioning, how they did spring ball, the way they're paying more attention to detail. That's, that's the real change happening internally at Nebraska. Now, what that comes out to in 2023 is whatever it comes out to. But long term, that's the benefit. That's why you hired Matt Rule. And I think those payoffs, I think those benefits will be substantial in the long run. I really do. Now, it doesn't get easier with the Big Ten adding USC and UCLA, but I'll just say this. I really, really am excited to see how far Nebraska is able to take this thing under Matt Rule. All right. Last one here from Sko Duck. He asks, who will rise out of the Pac-12 and win it? It's a very fair question because you got USC, you got Oregon, who I'm imagining our good friend Sko Duck is rooting for. You got Washington, you got Oregon State. Who knows what UCLA is going to be with Chip Kelly. Like You look across this conference, and there's a lot of teams that have a legitimate shot to win it. I didn't even mention Utah. Good night. Utah is back-to-back Pac-12 champions. I'm going to take it a step further here. My question isn't so much who's going to come out of that conference and who's going to win it. My question is even more so, do they rise to the level to where we're talking about a Pac-12 team in the college football playoff? Because think about it that way. There's the whole conversation around, yeah, it's going to be just demolition derby. It's going to be gladiator style to where they're going to go at each other's necks for 12 weeks and whoever walks out of that title game, the champion, good for them. They've earned it. Like that's a real thing. But my question is, what if USC flexes up a little bit and just says, nope, we're the top dog, runs through this conference undefeated, runs through their schedule undefeated, finds themselves in the college football playoff? What if Oregon's that team? What if they say, you know what, year two, we don't care. Bo Nix is back. Let's make a run at this thing. And they get through their schedule with one loss and find themselves in the college football playoff. Whoever wins this conference will absolutely have earned it. But the thing that I'm watching for, the greater unknown in my mind, is who rises up and to what degree? Because the Pac-12 conference, I think, to give you a little, uh, little appetizer here, I think there is, uh, we're going to give a prediction here a little bit later in the summer. I lean right now towards putting a Pac-12 team in the college football playoff. So stick around and make sure you're tuned in the show to see who that is. But those are the greater knowns in college football. Glad to have you all tuned in. Keep an eye out for that. We're going to tweet that again, or maybe we'll, we'll retweet that. We'll keep pulling from those and hear from y'all for uh, the great unknowns across this beautiful thing that's the college football landscape. Appreciate everybody tuned in live right now on YouTube, man. We love y'all. If everybody could like the video, that little thumbs up button under the picture you're seeing, if you could all like that, we would be over our goal of 100 likes. And we just got through the first segment. So thank you in advance for that. Have complete confidence. Y'all will get it done. Also, a thing that I ask for every show from y'all is where and how are you watching us? Because we've gotten some phenomenal responses, whether it be in the comment section of the YouTube channel, whether it be my own direct messages on Instagram or at Twitter. And I want to read a couple of those off. We got people that are working on diesel engines, 93,000 pound excavators tuned into the show. We salute you. We got some people working HVAC and listening to the show via podcast, I would imagine, between drives, between calls. We salute you. We're glad to have you tuned in. We got people in England. Got a Georgia Bulldog fan, a part of the Air Force, locked into the show. Have no idea what time it is in England right now when you're watching this. We're glad to have you a part of this. Also got people working out, getting after it right now while they're watching the hard count. Got a Florida State fan hit me up and said he was watching the hard count while he's cruising on the treadmill at a smooth five and a half. 
brother keep on getting it we're glad to have you a part of this again make sure you get at me on twitter on instagram want to hear how and where y'all listening it's a college football community we're glad to have you part of this all right so college football community is likely tuned in right now to what's going on in the wild world that has been college football recruiting in the month of june june is for recruiting there's a lot of us that are going to watch the games well i say a lot of us all of us are tuned into the games week zero all of us are tuned into the national title game all of us are tuned into the conference championship game but i'll tell you this right now what happens in the summer right now is going to impact where your team stands when it comes to the fall when it comes to november so right now there's some teams that are making moves and i want to talk about a couple of these teams really quick preface this is not an exhaustive list we're not talking about every single team here that's you know winning right now and recruiting but a couple teams we gotta you know highlight right now let's go back to nebraska matt rule has been on a tear last i checked they have 12 commitments in the month of june alone and here's the exciting thing for nebraska fans yes you're getting better personnel yes you're getting some of the players you're excited about from the high school level to join you in lincoln nebraska but to be real with you that's just the tip of the iceberg like matt rule's secret sauce is development evaluation development is how he has made his bed everything he does within that team is to prepare those guys to go and be pros i was within his team for a couple of minutes when i was at baylor and i'll just say this everything he's he's doing is is to give these guys a chance at the nfl perfect example a lot of the starters on this football team at nebraska you're going to see him running down on kickoff you're going to see him running down on punt you say, well, that's kind of weird. Why is our starting running back the L2 on our kickoff team? That doesn't make any sense. Because whenever that running back gets to the NFL, they're going to ask him to play special teams. And so Matt Rule was saying, I want to develop you and prepare you to go achieve your dreams at the next level. And in doing that, he's making his team better. In doing that, he's making his football team better. And also, I promise you, recruits see the guys that get to the league from Matt Rule coach teams tell you this doesn't hurt <laughs> in fact does the opposite uh bolsters them tremendously in the recruiting trail you're seeing what they're doing right now and this is exciting but again just the tip of the iceberg make sure you subscribe right here to the on3 youtube channel the hard count is live twice a week we talk ball every day we're glad to have you here follow me on the socials at jd Pacel on twitter as well as on instagram now the florida gators man they have been on an absolute heater heater and you never walk away from a heater you just don't do it 10 commitments so far in the month of june they have the number three class last i checked in the on three industry team recruiting rankings billy napier and company have gone to work they are recruiting like a full-on program and we talked about it yesterday on a one-off video but i want to make sure we have this conversation during the live show and during the podcast how should you assess this recruiting momentum that billy napier and company how, how should you evaluate what they're doing right now because recruiting doesn't just automatically equal wins like you need talent to win games but you can also have a very talented football team and lose some games so the advice i would give to florida gator fans when trying to assess what they're doing right now use it as a compass a compass does not tell you where you're at a compass is not a map a compass is not a destination but a compass tells you which way you're going and i think this is proof that you're headed the right direction and a lot of people the Billy Napier naysayers, the haters, if you will, sipping on that haterade, they're going to say two things. First thing they're going to say, well, wait till Florida takes the field. Wait till they start losing games. Just, just wait for that. 
Y'all, they're committing to a team that won six ball games a season ago. All right? They understand that Florida's kind of in this climb backstage. They're, they're still trying to get to the top of the mountain. They understand that this isn't going to be a thing that Florida just goes off and, and likely wins the SEC this year. Now, far be it for me to give you an absolute with the college football season, but that's probably not going to be the, the way that this thing shakes out in 2023. But a lot of these kids that are committing, I would say all these kids that are committing, they're coming to Gainesville to be a part of the solution. They say, yeah, Florida hasn't been what it historically is known to be. We're here to bring the, the brand back to being prominent. We're here to restock those trophy cases. All right, so I, I don't believe that a lot of these kids are going to just jump ship if they see Florida win six games again. Don't think that's going to happen. Other thing you're going to hear, people are going to say, well, that's great. You got all that talent. Billy Napier can't develop that talent. He doesn't know what he's doing. Never been an SEC head coach before. And like to those people, I would say Billy Napier comes from the Sun Belt. A lot of the haters like to throw the name Sun Belt Billy out there. They think it's kind of a, a sneaky jab. Like in the Sun Belt, everybody has three-star recruits. Everybody. Like that's what you're working with. You all pretty much have the same pieces. So if Billy Napier is winning and we all have the same pieces, what does that tell you? He's doing a good job, one, coaching, and two, developing, getting the most out of his three stars than you are. And so what I'm trying to say is development is how Billy Napier has gotten the job at Florida. So I would be a little bit slow to assume that these kids that are coming to Gainesville just are going to show up and disappear. I don't, I don't believe that's going to be the case. So Florida on a heater. Keep an eye on them throughout the rest of the summer. And as we get closer to signing day, we'll obviously talk more about the Gators. Texas, all gas, no breaks down there in Austin. And they've been a team that sort of hung back a little bit, had a number three class last year, and, and they're not within the top 10 right now. But you're seeing them start to make a move now here. Five commits in the month of June. They've got seven commits total. And the best way I would describe Texas is they've kind of got that 400-meter mentality. For those of y'all that are familiar with that race, it's basically, not basically, it is a full lap around a track. And a good 400-meter runner understands that race isn't won within the first 100 to 200 meters. A good runner, a smart runner, will wait till you get past that halfway point Wait till you round the curve and down that final stretch, that's where they really make their move. That's where you have what we call a kick, a little gas in the tank, and you make your move there. And then by the end of it, would you know you're on the podium? So for Steve Sarkeesian and company, they landed Jarrett Gibson, the number two back out of Gainesville, Florida. And this is one impactful because Steve Sarkeesian, his offense, they want to run the football. They're predicated on running the football and then setting up the pass with the RPO system, just adding more to the stable. Like, there's that piece of it. There's also the piece that Steve Sarkeesian went into SEC country and landed Jared Gibson. I don't think that should be overlooked. So just keep an eye on Texas right now. They're not going to be, you know, the top of the rankings when you look at the end of the month. But just keep an eye on how they close here. And as they start to gain steam, as we start to round that 200-meter mark in the recruiting calendar, watch Texas close. Okay? Georgia, number one class right now. You say, J.D., why are we talking about the number one class? Have they been exceptionally hot in June? Uh, you could say that. They've got five commitments right now. They're still the number one class. They've kind of done their work throughout the calendar. The thing for, for Georgia that I think we need to pay attention to and how they're recruiting and why we're talking about them right now like I said, five commitments in the month of June. Four of those commitments are on the defensive line. 
Like this is Kirby Smart's just saying, hey, I, I still know how this works. <laughs> I still know the rules of this game. And the rules of this game are, if you can't move me and I can move you, I win. And I'll say this, Nick Brake and I went to the media day last year for the national title game. You got TCU, you got Georgia, got to see both these teams walking around in street clothes. And when Georgia walked into the building, it was a very, very different eye test than when TCU walked into the building. That's no shade on TCU. They earned the right to be there. But Georgia, you could just tell. It's like, okay, they've been eating their Wheaties down there in Athens. Those are some big human beings. Those those dudes are going to be tough to move on fourth and one. And so for Georgia, they're understanding it's still a size game. It's still a depth game. And they're adding more size. They're adding more depth. I'll say this too. They they added a three-star defensive lineman, Namdi Ogboko. And if Kirby takes a three-star, everybody else should be nervous. Because that tells you that Kirby Smart sees something that a lot of people aren't seeing. And if I'm looking at the resume of Kirby Smart, I'm looking in the jewelry box of Kirby Smart, I think he's got a good feel for the way this kid is going to trend. Big body, hasn't been playing football that long. I'll just say this. They feel good about him, I would imagine. They feel very, very good about him. They feel just fine taking the three-star kid and adding him to the 2024 class so nebraska texas georgia florida all rolling right now in june it's a long way till signing day nothing is is final till pen meets paper but i think all those teams are in a good spot as we head into the fall june is for recruiting man can't say it enough cannot say it enough june is for recruiting everybody make sure to like the video right now again if everybody likes the video right now that thumbs up icon under the screen that you're seeing right now We'll be well over 100 likes, and we'll keep the streak alive of eight shows in a row, over 100 likes before we get off air. So thank you in advance for making that happen. Also, make sure you're getting your questions and your thoughts, your concerns even, to Nick Brake, Keeper of the queue, holding it down. We're going to get to that a little bit later in the show, but you get those in now. It helps us process those accordingly. So thank you as well. All right, schedule prediction season keeps on rolling, and we're going to do a little roll tide here as we talk about Alabama and what we potentially could see them finishing that with a win-loss record in 2023. I think we got to start here with Alabama. We just need to be careful with the context around Alabama because context, it's kind of like salt in my mind. Like, you always need some context, but too much context, if you read too deeply into the context, I think that can sometimes do more harm than good. And when I look at Alabama, the correct context, I think, the facts, if you will, you got the greatest coach of all time in Nick Saban, and you have one of the most talented rosters in the entire country. Haven't recruited outside the top two with everybody that's on campus right now. From 2019 forward, they have not recruited a class that's below the top two level in the on three industry team recruiting rankings. Okay, so a lot of talent in Tuscaloosa. A lot of pieces on that roster to do some good things. Now, the, the context that's dangerous is it's new quarterback, it's new OCs, it's new DC. They haven't made a national championship in the last two years, or excuse me, they, excuse me, they have not won the national title in the last two years. They made the national title a year ago, and then they get it done. So everyone's saying the sky is falling in Tuscaloosa, but like I said, the facts are still the facts. Just because we don't know without a shadow of a doubt some of the things that we're going to need to see in, in the fall, like, because there's a lot of unproven, doesn't necessarily mean in Alabama that it's going to be bad. And we've talked about that before on this show. Unproven, a lot of places, is a little bit of a cause for concern. I don't know if that's the same approach you should take when you assess Alabama. 
So let's take a look at the schedule here. Got Texas. That'll be a really good test early. You got Ole Miss at home. You got Tennessee at home. You got LSU at home. Every game that you would have circled at this point in time as a test or, hey, make sure we really watch that game, you get them at the crib. You get them at the crib. So I'll, I'll say I think several possible slip-ups are on this schedule. I mean, at Kentucky, who knows? Um, you know, Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin, you never know with them. Ten- Texas is early in the year. Tennessee, do they recreate some magic? Like, there's a lot of slip-ups that are, that are possible. If you're looking at this roster, excuse me, not roster, at this schedule, you could talk yourself into 9-3. and three. Heck, you could talk yourself into 10-2 and two again. The thing with Alabama for me is I've just seen this movie too many times. I've seen this movie too many times. Everybody says Nick Saban, the game's passed him by. Alabama's done for. They've fallen off a cliff. It's like they were in the national title game a year ago. They only lost two games. They were two plays away from being undefeated. Yeah, but J.D., they were also two other plays away from being 8-4. and four. Like, all right, I hear that. But let's not act like Alabama is just somewhere in the stratosphere and they've lost their way. I've seen this movie too many times. The movie, you ask? Well, 2008, embarrassing loss to Utah. 2009, national title. 2014, they lose to Ohio State in the playoff, and everyone says, okay, that's what it is, the playoff. That is the kryptonite for Nick Saban. 2015, national title. 2019, 11-2. They lost two games? Are you kidding me? Whoa, Nick Saban, the game has passed him by. Finally, 2020 national title. So, I'm going to be a little bit slow to jump on the bandwagon that Alabama is somehow too far gone or they've lost their way or any of that. That just, to me, feels like a dangerous game to play. And so for our prediction for Alabama, for the record we're going to predict for them, going undefeated feels a little bit rich to predict in June. But again, I look at the schedule, and I think 11-1 is where I would fall on the tide today. So be careful of context. Context is good, but too much of it. It's going to lead you astray. We like the Tide to finish 11-1 in the 2023 season. Alabama, man, they're a team now that you got to watch for every single year. As long as Nick Saban's the coach there, like I will never just overlook Alabama and say, oh, whatever. Say, oh, whatever, Bama's Bama, whatever. We're not going to worry about them. That's never going to be the case with them as long as Nick Saban's there. So that's what we think about the Tide. Uh, the Manning Passing Academy happened a couple of days ago, I guess, now, and was in Louisiana, and the thing that I like about this kind of camp setting is you get to see, one, guys that want to compete are going to compete. Like, you're out there in shorts and a t-shirt, you're throwing it around, you're with some of the best quarterbacks in the country. Like, nobody is forcing you to compete here. And so I like that it reveals that. I also like that it takes away some other variables that you would typically get in, in a you know college football game. Like, there, there is no 11-on-11 defense. You're just out there flashing your tools, showing what you got, getting out there and slinging it. So some uh, top performers are listed on on3.com. There's a great article out there by our staff. Shea Dixon was the boots on the ground from Bengal Tiger. And just a lot of good insights to take away from this one. And with it being in Louisiana, you had not one, but two LSU quarterbacks there. The entire LSU QB room, I say the entire LSU QB room, uh, the, the top two on the depth chart look good according to our people there. And if you're an LSU fan, you feel like the cupboard is stocked. Like you hope and pray every single night that Jaden Daniels is able to go wire to wire this season. But if for whatever reason, Jaden Daniels isn't starting a game for you, you feel good because you got Garrett Nussmeyer sitting behind him. 
And so for Jaden Daniels, talking about what he did at the Manning Passing Academy, going into it, the conversation for him was he wants to work on his deep ball. That's one of the things he's really trying to hone in on this offseason. And the reports are out of the camp that he was among the most accurate when it came to his vertical game. Said he was slinging the rock. So if that ends up trending into the season and he is accurate vertically, if he can unhitch the wagon, that changes the entire way you got to play LSU defensively. Because you know they're going to run the football. You know Jaden Daniels can tuck in a run. You know they've got some dudes in that backfield now that are going to be able to carry the mail for you. But if those safeties are not allowed to just run up and play run support, and they got to worry consistently about the deep pass behind them, oof, tell you what now, LSU's going to be a scary sight for a lot of these opposing defenses. So how much stock do you put in the Manning Passing Academy and the report you're hearing? I think you should take some, but this is a positive Inter, uh, this is a, this is positive intel, rather, with Jaden Daniels and what we saw from him at the Passing Academy. Now, Garrett Nussmeyer, you would hope that he is holding the clipboard for the duration of the season and, and getting some time late in games, but said he looked good in the intermediate game. Said that he looked sharp, and that's encouraging to me because it shows that Garrett Nussmeyer is still using this offseason and using this season, rather, as a springboard to when he is the guy at LSU. He's, tre- he's, he's taking it serious, right? Is, is what I think we all need to understand about Garrett Nussmeyer. Because his decision to stay at LSU could be enormously impactful for him when he does end up starting. When he does get his chance to run the team. Because a lot of schools would have given a left arm and a special teams unit to have him on their roster. To have him transfer over. But if he takes this time seriously and is able to continue to develop, continue to mature, continue to work that intermediate game. We all know he can sling it deep. We all know he wants to sling it deep. If he continues to develop and is even a better version of what we've seen from him before, when he comes to, I guess, 2024, LSU is going to be in good shape to keep this thing rolling. So Garrett Nussmeyer, another top performer, be encouraged Tiger fans. Now, Quinn Ewer, someone we talked about earlier in the live show, but the reports are out of the Manning and Passing Academy that he just looked like a version of what we saw against Alabama. He was slinging it around, uh, was, was one of those guys that was, you know, a standout of sorts. Like you watch the camp and you can immediately pick out, okay, that kid's got something different. That's what was talked about with Quinn Ewers. A lot of praise for him all throughout that weekend. And for me, this is sort of expected. You kind of expect the natural ability of Quinn Ewers to flash in a camp setting. The thing for me and that, that I'm encouraged to see, or would be encouraged to see, is the psyche for Quinn Ewers. Because think about all that he's had to endure since he's been at Texas, man. Since he got to Texas. I mean, since he, let's take it a step further, since he decided to leave high school early to be able to make good on some NIL money. He's been extremely scrutinized. There's been a lot of people with opinions on him. He's been dinged up. He got thrust in the spotlight in one of the most recognizable college football teams in all the country. Like, that would wear on anybody. And I don't know that for a fact, but I'm just assuming that that has to play some factor for getting up to speed as a starting quarterback at Texas. And so if he's able to really hone in the physical part of it along with the mental part of it and just be a stable piece for them in 2023, like Texas is going to be dangerous now because of all the reasons we already know about this offense. So you're encouraged that he had a good showing. The psyche part of it is something I'm really watching for as we get into the season. Joe Milton. No surprise here. I mean, every time this dude walks out onto a football field, 
especially in a camp setting, like he's just a walking viral clip. I promise you every single iPhone was up and pointed at Joe Milton when he was taking reps during this passing academy. We already saw one where he just walks. I think he did a, a play action kind of drop and then just threw a moon ball like 70 yards. The dude's special when it comes to his physical ability. The encouraging thing for Tennessee fans is that the question around his accuracy and his touch is, is fair, but if you're looking at the passing academy, sounds like he was one of the first individuals to hit the moving golf cart. I think it was somewhere around 50 plus, 60 plus yards downfield. So notice what I didn't say. In the skills challenge, Joe Milton didn't walk out there and win longest throw. That wasn't something they were doing. It was, can you hit the moving golf cart downfield? Now, it's June. We're taking all the positive intel we can get about these guys. But for Joe Milton, I think it's encouraging that you saw him have a good showing in a place like this. And I'll take it a step further, too, with him. If Joe Milton had walked out there and sucked, like, it would have been everywhere. Everybody would have said Joe Milton struggles at passing academy. Joe Milton proves that he continues to be inaccurate. Joe Milton proves that he is overthrow Joe. Like, all, all of the naysayers would have come out of the woodworks. They were waiting to say something negative, I promise you. So the fact that that's not happening, I think that tells you even more about his performance in the, Ma in the Manning Passing Academy than anything else. So be encouraged, Tennessee fans. Two more I want to talk about. Drake May. Just did Drake May things, it sounds like. There was a part of the skills challenge at the Manning Passing Academy where you throw a football from 50 yards into a basketball hoop. That's why we love the summer, why we love Manning Passing Academy. Drake May sounds like trots out there, one of the first reps that he's taken in the entire camp, one of the first reps of this drill, and just sinks it. Game blouses. Who else wants to play? Who's playing for second? Like Drake May, I don't have a ton of questions about him. I want to talk about him because that story is just hilarious. And I think that just proves that, you know, he's special. And so I'm excited to see what he does. Drake May doing Drake May things in the Manning Passing Academy. There you go. Devin Leary is one more name I want to talk about here. And the reason I want to talk about Devin Leary is because there was so much buzz around Will Levis last year and how talented he is and his arm strength and all that. Y'all, Kentucky averaged like 19 points a game. That's not very good. And I understand Will Levis was dinged up at times, but if Devin Leary is able to be more efficient with distributing the football, if he's able to do a better job not turning the ball over, Will Levis double-digit interceptions last year, if they're able to protect him better, they got some, some dudes now that got to got, see the football. Dane Key, a lot of people are excited about him. One of the best-kept secrets in college football at the wide receiver position. Barry and Brown, freshman All-American for us here at On3. Tavian Robinson, they got some dudes now that can giddy up and go. So if Devin Leary is able to be that more effective asset for them at the quarterback position and be consistent, Kentucky's going to be dangerous. Kentucky's going to make some noise. The intel out of the passing academy is he looked healthy, which is encouraging given his history and what he's recovered from. And he looked one of the most consistent and efficient passers of the whole camp. So it's only a camp. I understand you're not putting on pads. You're not taking a rush, like all that. I get it. But positive intel is positive intel. And it's fun to see these guys go out there and compete against the best in the country. So the LSU quarterback room, Quinn Ewers, Joe Milton, Drake May, Devin Leary, all had good showings. Let's get to the fall, y'all. Can't wait for it. Can't wait for it. We are 60 days away, today at least, from the start of college football season. Today is June 27th. 
We're getting closer and closer to week zero now. Make sure you're locked in. Make sure you like the video. Make sure you're subscribed. All that. We appreciate you. We're going to do this thing together. All right. I'll say this too. If you like the video, everybody who likes the video right now, we are 23 or so likes away from our goal of 100 before we get off air. A lot of y'all have been asking about the program shirts. A lot of y'all probably get a comment or a DM. I want to say like three or four a week. Saying, I don't, I don't see them anywhere on the website. I don't see them being sold anywhere because they're not being sold anywhere right now. But just stay in the loop. I am working on some ideas to make this an item to be won. All right, so you can't buy it anywhere. It's not on the on through websites. It's nowhere to be found if you're looking to purchase it. But stay tuned into the live shows over the next couple of weeks as we get closer to the season. We're workshopping some things to make these something that we can just give away to y'all that win them. All right, so again, like the video and uh, we'll keep this thing rolling. Now, I want to close this whole show out. We'll close the whole show out. It's probably a little bit of a dramatic way to say this because we're still going to get to y'all's questions. But the last thing that we got on the docket here is weird things that your rival probably hates on. Because college football is so unique. Like the, the, the pageantry, the fan bases, the passion. It's unlike anything else in the sports world. And I felt like it was appropriate for us to have this conversation as we get closer and closer to college football season getting here. So I'll preface this whole thing with saying, in all of these examples, frustration is fair. But to be sipping the haterade now, like, come on. We're better than that. First thing your rival probably hates on, your first-year coach. Everybody is so quick to point the finger and laugh and say he can't do it when a first-year coach has a subpar first year. And I think this is such a weird thing to hate on because the reality is that first-year coach is in his first year. He was probably hired because things weren't good previously. And not all first years were created equally. Brian Kelly's first year, the situation he walked into at LSU is very different than what Billy Napier walked into his first year at Florida. So I don't understand this whole thing about hating on first-year coaches and being so quick to say they're going to get fired, they're not going to work. Like, you don't know. I don't know. Your rival doesn't know. Let's get some more data, right? Let's, let's kind of let this thing play itself out a little bit more. Weird, weird thing to hate on a first-year coach. Make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you're locked in. Make sure you like the video. Thank you in advance. All right, another weird thing that rivals will like to hate on of your team, when recruits commit to your school, you're going to hear a lot of things said. One of the things that you're going to hear is, well, we didn't even want him. Which is like, one, dude, how do you know? How would you, how in any way, shape, or form would you know that? Are you in those meeting rooms with those coaches? No? Okay, so you don't know. We didn't want him. We didn't have him as a take for our school. He, he, he won't pan out. You don't know that either. You were just tweeting at this kid. We'll talk about that in a second. You were just tweeting at this kid, begging him to come to your school. And now you're saying, well, he's not going to be any good. Give me a break, man. Like, let's just shake hands. Let's say we'll meet him on Saturday when they come to our place and play us. And, and that'll be that. The thing that I really want to talk about, though, with this point in terms of weird things your rival hates on is tweeting at recruits is just a bad, bad look. Tweeting negative things at a kid who just chose his school for the next four years and you're upset it's not your school, like, come on now. Kid's 18. You're a grown 36-year-old man with your school's mascot as your avatar and you're saying he's not going to be anything. You got 34 followers. Like, come on, man. This is a bad look. This is a weird thing to hate on kids when they pick a school that's not your school. I understand, though. Y'all don't do this. Your rival does this. 
And so that's where I want to leave that at. But let's let's make sure we're we're staying away from that. Weird thing. Weird thing to hate on that. Scheduling. Another weird thing your rival probably hates on. They like to say every single year that y'all don't play anybody. Probably something your rival says. Hey, you, you really don't play anybody. Well, then the question is, well, you're our rival. We play you, right? Yeah, but hey, we're not any good. Okay, well, then whose fault is that we're not playing anybody? <laughs> you know? Whose fault is it if we're not able to play anybody, but you're on the schedule? Sounds like you got to hold up your end of the bargain. Also, the whole scheduling piece is put together by the suits, man. <laughs> you know? Like, it's not like the, the fan bases are sitting here and, and putting in votes to say we want to play this, that, and the other school. I promise you, the majority of college football fans would line it up in the parking lot or watch their school line it up in the parking lot with any one of the big boys. Because we want to see what our team can do. We want to see if, if they're able to match up against the, the Alabamas, the Georgias, you know, all, all those schools. You want to see where, where you're at. You want to see the litmus test. And if you were to slay the Giant, then hey, that's, that's a nice feather in your cap. But to, to hate on another fan base's schedule, I just think it's a bad look. Weird thing to hate on. Last one I want to talk about, traditions. People will be so quick, your rival's so quick, to throw shade at your tradition. Like, they're going to make fun of you rolling Tumor's corner, or they're, they're going to make fun of the midnight yell. And it's like, bro, that's not for you. <laughs> you, think, you think our tradition internally has anything to do with your school? No, of course not. It's like making fun of the way that somebody else runs their family or parents their family. Like for me, as a kid growing up, we were not allowed to hang out with friends on Sundays. And so... Other, you know, outside voices would say, well, that's weird. Well, I don't know why you do that. Well, it's like, you don't need to know why I do that. You don't need to know why we do the midnight yell, why we roll Tumor's Corner, why we do X, Y, and Z tradition. Because it's for us. It's not about you. It has nothing to do with you, actually. It's about our school and our pride. Other thing I would say, you probably have your own weird tradition. You probably have your own thing that's maybe a little bit off color or a little bit unorthodox that your school does. Okay, so to throw shade at someone else's traditions, one, nothing to do with you. Two, you probably have your own weird tradition as well. Okay, so with that being said, those are the weird things that not y'all, because y'all are program people, probably your rival likes to hate on when it comes to college football traditions. So glad we're all on the same page there. Let's bring in now the keeper of the queue, heavy lifter extraordinaire, best producer in the game, Nick break nick how we doing my guy what's up man good to see you man how we doing pretty good uh just looking through the chat not been a whole lot of questions um first one i saw though jesse adams hashtag askjd if fau goes 10 and 2 or 9 and 3 without any major injuries does the heat get turned back on from norville man i really don't think so they, they just gave him a whole bunch of money they just extended him and also think about it this way the playoffs about to expand and so 9 and 3 10 and 2 would you be disappointed because you maybe didn't make the college football playoff with those records like yeah probably so that was what you were hoping for this year that was the big prize you wanted to win but 10 and 2 in the in the expanded playoff you you might be in the dance there so i think they're thinking long term would it be unfortunate for, for florida state fans yes but i don't think that's reason to turn up any heat on mike norvell yeah hey there's a big difference this season with 9 and 3 and 10 and 2 for for florida state too. yeah 
You lose three games. I'm kind of like, who are you losing to besides LSU and Clemson? Yeah, that's a good that's a good question, Nick. Yeah, mm-hmm. if you if you drop a third game there, like, where is that loss coming from? And and how do they look yeah. too? Very very fair question. Like, are they just getting? If they were to in this scenario lose those multiple games, is it like down to the wire, close loss, or is it like, hey man, Mike Norvell, you did not have those guys ready to play. Now I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think that will be in that kind of scenario. But yeah, you're you're right, Nick. Nine and three, ten and two. Mm-hmm. I don't understand where that third loss would come from. Yeah. That's why they play the games. Be a rough one. Um, hey, Craig asks, hashtag SJD, will Braylon Allen be underutilized being a power running back in Phil Longo's air raid offense this season? This is a very, very good question because what Wisconsin has been historically can be summed up in a couple of objects, neck rolls, and dirt. Three yards in a cloud of dust has been what, what Wisconsin has been historically. But for Braylon Allen, one of the best backs in the country. I mean, dude looks like he was developed in a lab. He looks like one of the Avengers. Specimen of a back. Did a lot of good things for Wisconsin so far. The, the branding around Wisconsin, I think, is interesting right now because everyone is assuming that it's going to be air raid in the sense that they're going to throw the ball 60 times a game. Just because they're going to throw the football more, I don't think implies they're not still going to be balanced. I'd be wildly surprised if Braylon Allen still isn't an enormous part of the offense and is not a guy that's, that's getting, you know, 20 carries or so a game. Like, you still better feed Braylon Allen because he's one of your best players. So, would be surprised if that were the case. Do not anticipate that happening. Uh, J.D., there's, we're playing some hypotheticals here with, Mac, with Michael Hartz. I love Ask it. J.D. and Nick, if you could be a five-star athlete at any position, what position would you play and what kind of scheme or coach would you want to play for? Ooh. Man, five-star athlete at any position. I'll say, man, I'd love to be a quarterback. Like, there was a point in my college career where our offense, we had two quarterbacks. We had one quarterback that we ran our standard offense through. We ran another offense with an individual called Michael Catanese from Long Island. So shout out Michael Catanese if you're watching right now. We did a lot of the read option game with him. We did a lot of quarterback design runs with him. And Michael Catanese got hurt. I want to say it was week four of our season. And so me being an opportunistic, uh, looking at the, the scheme and saying, we don't, have a, we don't have a read option quarterback right now. So I go up to our OC and say, coach, played option quarterback in high school. I think I can run the Catanese offense. And I'll just say this, like it felt so cool to be standing back there in the gun and wave somebody over. Anyways, that's a long way to tell you, Nick, I would love to be a quarterback and that would be what I would play and I would run it up. I'll tell you that. Nice. What about you, Nick? I want to hear yours. <laughs> I'd probably be, honestly, if I were, if I were not just six foot 150, I'd enjoy being a linebacker. I'd be fun. But yeah. I was not born to be a linebacker. Heat seeking missile. Yeah. You don't come across the middle over Nick Break, and you don't no. come across the middle twice. That's for sure. <laughs> Definitely not twice, right? Definitely not twice, bro. I, I did play linebacker in uh, flag football in college, and I was really good at getting the flags. Um, okay. But, you know, that obviously translates just so little to, to regular football. So Hey, Matt Leiner, he played flag football until high school, and then he went and had a career in the NFL. So I, I, all Pretty I'm cool. hearing from you saying that, Nick, is there's some game tape out there for us to work with, evaluate, and get you in the right scheme is Absolutely. all I'm hearing about the flag football right there. Hey, I appreciate that. I like the, uh, you know? the motivation right there. <laughs> Quay Watts, um, who had a message retracted by um by our friend trey in the chat today i don't know what he said um says what's baylor's record gonna be this year wow that's a very good question 
We have to do a deep dive on Baylor, to be honest with you. A lot of it hinges on Blake Shapin, man. I'll say I'll say I think Baylor will make a bowl game. So go ahead and pencil him in somewhere in that six to eight win range, which is obviously a pretty wide range there. Um, Blake Shapin's going to be the starting quarterback. Dave Aranda is in bounce back mode. They won the Big 12 in, I guess it was 21, 22. It was a down year. If they're able to surround him with some better talent, have some guys step up like a Monterey Baldwin, maybe Richard Reese is able to take another step even from his freshman campaign, which was really solid. Uh, I like Baylor. I'm, I'm still sort of waiting and seeing what they're going to do from a skill position standpoint across the board there. Because that was kind of the difference maker for them in, in 21, Nick, was they had Tyquan Thornton, who was obviously one of the fastest guys, the fastest guy at the NFL Combine. Uh, they had some other solid receivers. They had a tight end in Ben Sims. Like, there was a lot of guys around Blake Shapin in that title game that made him better, even though he only stepped in in relief. Uh, without going down a rabbit hole there, I think I think Baylor will be a bowl team. I just I don't know how many wins past six they'll be able to get. Sean Nelson agrees. Baylor six and six. Well how done. about some Baylor love in the chat, man? Yeah. Did not see that one coming. Yeah, I didn't, didn't see it coming. And, and I never know if you're going to give the full story because we do our schedule predictions separately. So I was like, man, see if he gets it. And yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll unpack it, I guess, when we get closer. Yeah. So. We'll, we'll say a cool six and six right now. We'll, we'll make sure we give the people an in-depth prediction uh, when that breaks on the uh, on the old TikTok. Well done. Yeah, absolutely. Jesse Adams, uh, another question. Man, Jesse asks a really good question. Getting after it. Is this a wild take to think Garrett Garrett Riley, excuse me, pulls a Josh Gaddis where he wins best assistant coach, but moves to a new program and struggles? P.S. Not saying he'll get canned after one year. You know, I think that the situation Josh Gaddis walked into was much less established at Miami than what Garrett Riley's walking into at Clemson. Like Miami was still trying to build back and Mario, well, they're still trying to build back. Mario Cristobal, well, not trying to build back. I want to rephrase that. Mario Cristobal was in year one. He walked in year one with Mario Cristobal trying to figure out what the vision was going to be. Miami was in a competitive place. Clemson, also in a competitive place. They have Cade Klubnik. I think they have more within that roster to work with than maybe Josh Gaddis had at Miami. Also, I just like what Garrett Riley's bringing to the table. I like the offense he's going to run. I think he has a good gauge for working with his quarterback in Cade Klubnik. We saw what he did with Max Duggan. So I don't see that happening. I think Garrett Riley's going to continue to trend upward. And I'll, I'll, I'll call our shot right now. I think he'll be a head coach here much sooner than, than later. Well done. Hey, J.D., we got two more good questions Let's here do it. for us. Um, first one from Husker Fan Man, 1989, hashtag AskJD. What conference do you trust more to get to produce a better team for the playoffs, the Big 12 or the Pac-12? Ooh, that's a very good question. <sighs> this so season. If, we're, if we're taking what we would believe – sorry, Nick, I cut you off. No, I was this season. This season, this season yeah, v fair question. <sighs> Texas and Oklahoma are going to be interesting to watch. Kansas State can never count them out. But I look at, at, at the Pac-12, and I look at the quarterbacks there. I feel like I know what Bo Nix is going to be. I know what Caleb Williams is going to be. I know what Michael Penix Jr. is going to be. I know what Utah is going to be. So I, I think the Pac-12, some of those talented quarterbacks would make me feel better heading into the college football playoff. I really like Dylan Gabriel. I really like Quinn Ewers. I think if I were to take the field or, or the, the the larger sample size, I would probably take the Pac-12 because I'm looking at Texas and Oklahoma outside of those two teams. I don't know how I would feel about 
Kansas State walking to the playoff or, or TCU making a return tip return trip to the playoff I think there's more teams in the Pac-12 that could do some damage so not more teams there the, yeah there, there's a larger number of teams I would be excited about in the playoff as opposed to teams outside of Texas and Oklahoma in the Big 12 so we'll lean Pac-12 for this one Nick yeah I agree JD um that's the last question this is an interesting one I love it Shane Kina if 85% of a team's offense has been installed before the spring game and has been said to be easy to translate onto the field, wouldn't that make a playbook thin and predictable as well? So that's a very fair question. I believe our friend Shane is referring to none other than Shannon Dawson and the Miami Hurricanes. Shannon Dawson, new OC, Josh Gaddis, former OC we just talked about a few moments ago. The buzz at a spring practice was they're installing it quickly and that they're able to you know, have the majority of the playbook already set during spring practice, which for those of y'all that know, uh, that's not common. That doesn't really happen. But the way that I'm processing this, if it's easy to teach, it's easy to process, easy to take to the field, players are not having to worry about thinking too much. They're just going out there and playing ball. And that's really what you want with your roster if you're if you're an offensive coordinator. Um, the question, though, is it making it more predictable? You know, I really don't think so. I think good coordinators have answers built in for problems that d- defenses could present to you. So just because the playbook could potentially be thin with the number of plays that are in or the amount of you know variations that are with that play, there's usually going to be answers week to week. So just because the playbook for the most part is put in right now doesn't mean that they're not going to still tinker with that when you play a team like Florida State or when you play you know whoever else you play throughout your schedule and, and what we could see Tyler Van Dyke being at quarterback there. So I understand the concern. I would say there's levels to it, and I think Shannon Dawson is out in front of those potential issues. But a very fair question, and I'll tell you what, man, the beautiful thing, we were saying it before the show, Whatever prediction you want to make, whatever you want to say about the college football season or your team or their team, like we are going to get to find out in real time together on Saturday afternoons in the fall. Nick, appreciate you, man, making hey, it all happen. Hey, really quick, JD, question yeah. came in right at the end. This is a good one to end on. Chicken fifteen fifteen. What's your favorite football movie, JD? Man, okay, I want you to answer first, Nick, and then I will answer and close us out because you are our resident movie expert. Yeah, I, I'm just going to make everyone mad, so I probably shouldn't answer. Okay. I don't like any football movies. Dude, you don't really have don't. one? I don't like remember the Titans that much. Guys, I, that I, wasn't look, the question. I'm a video producer. I am a movie oh, snob. Nick. I just don't really like sports movies. Moneyball is like the only one I really, really like. Um, and I think Air was pretty good this year. But uh, everyone else is saying Varsity Blues, remember the Titans. I'm just going to have to say remember the Titans, I guess. But solid like 6 out of 10. Golly. <laughs> so I'm going to leave because it's going to be – Kind of a mean place in the comments in a few seconds. But, J.D., I'll see you Thursday. Okay, Nick, see you Thursday, buddy. Appreciate you. Nick Break, holding it down. Uh, Favorite football movie for yours truly? Remember the Titans, even before I was playing flag football. Like, that's one of those movies that you watch and you can't help but, like, regardless of what Nick Break says, I personally couldn't help but get goosebumps and look at that and say, man, I want to be a part of something like that. I want to be a part of a team and I want to be a part of that kind of camaraderie that they have there. Denzel Washington is awesome in that movie. Coach Yost, awesome in that movie. Sunshine, awesome in that movie. So I'm a big fan of Remember the Titans. Curious to hear y'all's response in the the chat. Uh, But that to me, I mean, that had me doing up-downs when I was a kid, just in my living room. JD. Yes, Nick is back. Uh, Jerry Maguire. That's my favorite. Jerry Maguire. <laughs> Boom. That's At the buzzer. I'll see you, man. At the buzzer. Nick yeah. Break, appreciate you, you, boss. Appreciate you, boss. How about it? 
hand down, man down, Nick Brake scoring to end the whole show. But listen, we appreciate y'all being tuned in. Make sure you like the video on your way out. We are live again on Thursday, 10 a.m. Central, 11 a.m. Eastern. And that don't change. Some of y'all have been wondering, will we have a show on 4th of July? If you don't think we're going to have a show on 4th of July, you're out of your mind. All right, we love y'all. We appreciate y'all. Keep those college football reruns rolling. Let me know what you're watching. We're going to keep this party rolling, and we will see y'all next time. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.